Welcome to Brawny Conversations. I am Patrick Braun, your host. This podcast will provide our listeners with informative and entertaining discussions held with experienced people covering a wide range of topics. If you want to shorten your learning curve or just learn more about one of our topics, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy our discussion. Rick is a real estate project manager in the oil and gas industry. When he is not working, watching his son, Zach, who is a high school senior playing baseball, he is probably either on his bike, swimming, or running around and around and around the block. Rick has accomplished something that I can't even comprehend. He has completed 12 full Ironman races, and in 2022, he drew what I call the coveted, coveted golden ticket, a.k.a. Ironman Legacy Qualifier. That allows him to race in the Ironman World Championships in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii in 2023. Rick has been a tremendous help to me as I began training for an Ironman in 2021. His insights into nutrition and race preparation made my first Ironman experience at Texas 70.3 a very pleasant and fun experience. Rick is also helping me plan for my first full Ironman race in Arizona only four weeks from now. Rick, welcome to the Brawny Conversations podcast. And as you sit down for our conversation today, what are your thoughts and expectations? Hey, Patrick, uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, I have to admit, this is my first podcast, so I'm not really sure what to expect. But uh, I just hope that through our conversation, you know, anyone interested, you know, in Ironman or whatever it is their interest is, that uh, they might be able to pick something up out of this conversation that might help them along the way. I do want to say, hey, uh, congratulations on this new venture of yours with Brownie Conversations. Uh, I've been able to listen to a few of your podcasts, and uh, and I've certainly learned a few things from a few of your guests. So um, it should be fun. Well, thank you for that, and I appreciate you being here. And knowing what I know about you, our guests will take away uh, many, many things uh, relative to triathlons and endurance sport training from you. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about your background in athletics and endurance sports. Right? I know you have a passion for baseball and for fitness. Give us, give us some background on how you got into all this stuff. Sure. Well, uh, growing up, I was always a team sports guy, uh, baseball, you know, my main sport, that's my true love. And, um, you know, I was never, it was always team sports. I was never a, a runner or a swimmer, or a cyclist, any of that growing up. And then when, uh, I moved to Houston right out of college from Louisiana and, uh, got here and really didn't know anybody and got involved with some, some softball teams and started playing, you know, team sports, playing softball, playing flag football, and um, just doing that uh, for several years. And and through some field assignments with work, being out in the field, and, um, you know, just that desire to stay in shape and and continue working out, um, you know, I started picking up running a little bit and eventually bought a bike to do a little cycling. And, um, you know, did a, a couple five K's here and there. And that kind of led to a, uh, did a couple of, at the time they were called biathlons kind of sprint events where you did a five K run, a short bike and another five K run. And just like the competition and kind of got into that. And, um, it just kind of built from there, you know, the older, the older I got, the, the harder it was to stay in with the team sports, although I did stay with it. Um, 
just needed something more to keep you going, um, you know, through the week and the weekends. And that's just kind of where it led. It was something you could do on your own or with a group. And, um, you just kind of built from there. So I, uh, you know, you've been doing this for over a couple of decades now. And by that, I mean, half Ironmans, Ironmans. Uh, I know you've done 12 full Ironman races. How many half Ironman races have you done? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't done that many, uh, certainly not 12, but I, I don't know. It's probably, uh, I would say probably somewhere near 10, I guess, half Ironmans. I've done 20 marathons outside of Ironman. So I've done 17 Houston marathons, one in Austin and, uh, once at the, uh, Marine Corps marathon in, uh, Washington, DC. And, um, and then several sprints, um, sprint triathlons, Olympic triathlons, um, and, you know, and other running events, 5Ks, 10Ks, that kind of thing. Wow. Well, that's and that's some perspective for our listeners just to show the level of experience that you have and why you're on as an expert guest. That is, uh, an, un, for me, an unimaginable amount of not only marathons, but Ironmans and half, half Ironmans. That is a, that, that is a lot of mileage. Now you also had an interesting streak last year. You had a, a very high consecutive streak of days running. How, how many days was it? How did that start? And what was that all about? Yeah, it started. I, when did, when did it start? It was, it was before COVID. I went out and ran on January 1st and I just kind of, while I was running, I was like, yeah, I ought to see how many days in a row I can run. And so I started running and kind of went through the year and I got to a year and said, all right, I'm done. You know, I did, a, I did a full year and my son was like, oh no, you can't stop now. You have to keep going. <laughs> and so, so I continued and it went through COVID. It went through the big freeze here um, where I had to go out and run on the icy streets I actually had to run through people's yards so I wouldn't slip on the street. Um, but, uh, it went through COVID. Um, I actually got COVID during that streak. And at that time, uh, you know, everybody was freaking out that, you know, you can't run during COVID. It's going to get in your lungs. Um, so I, I agreed with my family that I would not run, but I would walk each day while I was on medication and got through COVID. So there's a little hiccup in there, but I did walk every day during that time. And so the streak actually went to 750 days. Oh my that, goodness. That included, you know, having to run the next, the next day after a marathon. It also included having to run the day after Ironman Florida. Um, I drove back from Ironman Florida um, the day after the race, um, you know, 10, 11 hour drive back. And when I pulled in my driveway at 1030 at night, my son met me in the driveway and said, come on, let's go. You got to get your run in. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, oh, that's amazing. Cause that's, we've talked about this in several other episodes, just the mindset of Ironman athletes and, 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 you know, endurance participants in general. And this streak typifies that mindset, right? It's just, uh, taking things to the next level. Yeah. Not something I recommend, but <laughs> it was fun <laughs> while it lasted. And I probably paid a price for it because 
you know, there's stuff that still aches, aches here and there. And, uh, but overall it was fun and it was, uh, you know, a good challenge and it was fun. It's pretty cool. it. Now the average length of those runs, knowing you, it wasn't a mile. Uh, how, 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 what would you say the average length of those runs over the 700 plus days was? Yeah, I averaged out, uh, it was a little over four, four miles per run is what it, it averaged out to. My goodness. My goodness. Another reason why you're one of my heroes, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Now, now as we open this session, uh, you talked a little bit about how you evolved, uh, once you got into your corporate career and, and, mm-hmm. you know, moving from team sports into some running and riding and then ultimately endurance sports, but let's get specific. How did you actually, and there's a good story here. How did you actually, get involved in your first triathlon tell the truth uh she's not gonna want to hear this but (laughs) (laughs) it was my wife that suggested it so so i did well come another crazy story i was playing flag football at the time out at memorial park with a bunch of guys um memorial park in houston's a, a great park um in the city with a three mile loop around it where uh, a lot of people run. And so I would go straight from my office on game night to Memorial park. And, you know, our game may not start till seven, eight o'clock. And so I would just go there and I would just run at the track and then go play football. And I would see all these people running and there were all these people training and talking about the marathon. And somebody mentioned the half marathon. I had no idea what a marathon was or a half marathon was. Um, And when I found out about what a half marathon was, I was like, man, I could probably do that. So I said, I'm going to go run this weekend. So I just ran. I think the furthest I'd ever run was a 10 K. And so that weekend I just walked outside and said, I'm going to go run 10 miles. And I ran 10 miles. And again, I don't recommend that, but um, (laughs) I made it. And so at that point I'm like, well, if I can run 10, I know I can run 13. So I might as well just sign up for the full. So this was like in October and the the Houston marathon was in January. And so I signed up and the next weekend I said, well, I'm going to run 15. And I did that. And then of course, you know, my foot was hurting and I broke all the rules, but I just, so for the next, you know, month, month and a half, I just, I just ran just to get ready for this marathon. I had no idea what I was doing, no training, nothing. And I remember having dinner with, with my wife the night before the race. And, you know, I was nervous. I was really nervous. I was scared, (laughs) didn't know what to expect. And somehow I made it through. Um, and this is the full, there's a full thing. When I got to mile like 18 to 20, I mean, it was brutal. And, uh, (laughs) but I made it crossed it. And, we're driving back home and I'm my wife's driving and I'm sitting there and I was like, well, I did it. So what's my new challenge? And she looked over and she goes, well, why don't you do a triathlon? Now she had done a couple of sprints before. So she's throughout the challenge. I said, well, I don't know how to swim. She goes, well, <laughs> there's your obstacle. challenge. That's a minor so, obstacle. So the next morning, you know, pain and all from the, from the marathon, I'm on the phone trying to figure out where can I get swim lessons and that's how it started. Wow. <laughs> wow. So Dana is to, to blame for this last, you know, 20 plus years obsession with pursuing. <laughs> Iron Man. 
Exactly. That's it, Dana. It's all your fault. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. So uh, now we know how you kind of got involved in this endurance quest. And now I'm curious about, you know, as now as you start to get ready for your first Ironman. So I know you, I'm sure you started out with sprints and that kind of thing, but as you started to get ready for your first Ironman, what was that like? You know, how did you sign up for your first event? Uh, you know, what, what did you do from a training perspective, right? How'd that all progress? Yeah. So I, I took what I call the normal progression, right? Like I didn't know how to swim. So I took lessons, learning how to swim and get from one end of the pool to the other, you know, uh, did a lot of sprints, started out as, you know, sprint triathlons with with uh, pool swims so I could hang on to the side of the pool in the middle of the swim. Um, you know, eventually going to an open water swim to I remember the first and then I had a, a, a buddy that I, I knew that got into it also. And we did a few sprints together. And then there was a uh, there's a half Ironman up in Conroe every year. And so we decided we wanted to do that race, but neither one of us could swim that far at the time. So I found a guy at my gym that's that would swim all the time and got him to be our swimmer. And then we did it as a relay. And then our goal was to do the half Ironman the next year on our own, which we did. And so as soon as I finished that race, I'm like, I'm in, I got to do the full. Cause it was a natural progression from sprint to Olympic to the, the half relay to the half and, and what, uh, what period it, of time was involved in that starting from sprint to where you did the half Ironman? Uh, that was probably two to three years, I would guess. Okay. Okay. Um, so you built up some training volume and got some experience. Yeah. And then, um, and so when I signed up, my friend Chris and I both decided to do, we were going to do Ironman Arizona and came time to sign up. You've, you know, pretty much have to sign up a year in advance. Otherwise the rate, you know, the race would sell out. So we decided to sign up and we did. And at that time I could not swim that far. I, I knew I couldn't swim that far, but so I knew I had a year to get myself ready. And, you know, by the way, Rick, a lot of people can swim that far. 2.4 miles in the open water is a long way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, uh, but I had a, I had a good group of uh, friends. There was a guy I worked with that got me involved with a tri club up in the woodlands that had started up. And, uh, and that was a great support. Um, you know, the, the sport was just taking off at the time, at least for me it was, and, um, it was, you know, still fairly new and a lot of excitement. The woodlands has a great group of you know, athletes up there and, and this, this whole tri club came together and it was, you know, a lot of support. Um, so learned a lot from those guys, watched them compete, actually went out the year before my first Ironman race and watched a group of those guys compete in Arizona on the course. And, um, that was a big help to watch those guys. And then just signed up and started training, um, found an online coach that would, send me my workouts. Um, at that time it was, it wasn't the, the coaching wasn't as readily available, right. As, as it mm -hmm. is today. And I was able to find a coach online, um, that was, that would shoot me my, my workouts every two weeks. And I would just follow that plan. I didn't care what the workouts were. I think you're following a, a good plan right now. Kind of same, same format, right. Where you, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. the, the plan is there. You just go out and do the work. Cause when I first started, you know, I had friends that built their own plans and it was overwhelming at first where I, I was finding myself reading and studying and trying to figure out my plan. I was spending more time trying to figure out what to do than actually doing it. And I said, I can't keep this up. I need, I just need somebody to tell me what to do and I'll go do it. And yeah. Kind of, yeah. I think, kind of I think that's important. What I've learned, you know, and obviously I've only been doing this for about a year and a half in, in preparation for the full, but what I've learned is that, you know, if I was writing my own plan, I would probably kill myself with too much. And mm-hmm. although the training volumes get really, really high, these professionally designed plans provide for pro- adequate recovery and rest. Um, and so you, you build, then you rest and recover, you kind of hit a plateau and then you build again. And, and through each phase, you know, you actually get your endurance grows, your strength grows, your speed grows across these disciplines, but it's all so important to have that recovery in between the build phases. Sure. And right. You never know that if you're doing your own plan, you're thinking you got to go out and run and, you know, do everything super hard, super fast all the time. And that's just not the case. Right. So we heard, I mean, obviously where I'm going with this next question is what were a few of the challenges that you'd overcome as a beginner? And, And clearly the first biggest challenge, and you said it was, you know, not really being able to swim. And so obviously you address that, but I am sure there had to be other challenges as well from, you know, I'm just thinking about cycling. Um, you know, when you're on a bike for a long period of time, uh, there's all kinds of crazy things that happen. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to ride? How you get your, you know, your supplements, nutrition, water while you're out there for four or five hours. So uh, give us some of those, those challenges that you had to overcome as a beginner that you just didn't know about. How'd you deal with that? Yeah. Right from the start. I mean, it's just, it's confusing, right? Cause you don't know anything about the sport. Right. And so there's a lot, you know, just doing a lot of reading, finding everything you can. The tri club was very helpful. Uh, you had, you know, former pros, current pros that would give, give talks and talk about nutrition and, and different things. So just, you just soak up as much as you can, but it was all a learning process at the beginning. And then, um, it was obviously the swimming, um, and, and the nutrition It's just, you know, what do I use? And, and look over the past, you know, 15 to 20 years, everything has changed from, um, like I mentioned, you know, the availability of coaching to nutritional products to the technology and the equipment that we use. Right. Um, so it, it, it was, and, and it's still today, it can be very confusing and um, just trying to learn everything and, and figure out what you need to do for each phase of, of the event, right? You're swimming, you're biking, you're cycling. I mean, you're cycling and you're running. So just trying to understand all of that. But um, um, and then, you know, one of the other things, too, and it's, you know, that's it's probably one of the downsides of this sport, but it's a uh, it's a very expensive sport. And it can be a very expensive sport, right? Mm-hmm. With with everything involved in it. I mean, you know, and you just look, uh, I mean, a pair of running shoes these days. I mean, there's some running shoes now. They're $250, $300 a pair. It's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, and we won't even talk about the cost of a new bike. And, um, uh, but, you know, as we entered this thing, you know, you, you kind of start out with, you know, I started out with my road bike and, 
and put some clip on arrow bars on it. And then, you know, eventually the further I got into it, the, the, the more upgrades I made in my equipment and, uh, and the more I learned about, uh, nutrition and, you know, what things will help me along the way, as far as the, you know, as technology came out from, from watches to GPS, you know, to power meters on your bike. Um, so, um, again, from day one to now, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things is just, it was just a little confusing and just, just having to learn everything involved with it. And it's, uh, Um, well, you know, and ultimately Rick, that's, that's, uh, part of the fun, right? It's part of the fun of triathlons, endurance sports, Ironmans is, is all of that is technology and, and looking at the information, the data that's provided reading about the, the concepts. And, you know, you talk briefly about the shoes and the expense of new running shoes. It's interesting for me because of the, of the three disciplines, running is probably the most physically demanding on your body from an impact perspective. And I've been a runner most of my life and I'm finding this new shoe technology is, is tremendously beneficial, particularly with these longer mileage. And, you know, I've run in Hoka's I'm currently running in a, in a new balance trainer that has some, some carbon fiber in the sole, but it's also uh, cushioned and light and it, man, it minimizes the impact tremendously. Um, you know, and so there's some, yeah, it's a little more expensive, but it's a lot easier in the body than what you were running in the Nike waffles. And, you know, people were doing that in the 1970s, right? But no, no padding yeah. at all. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. So you've, uh, you've done all these races and had all these experiences. Um, are you have any funny experiences that stand out maybe during a, a specific race or, or one of your, your training regimens that, that, that our <laughs> listeners might enjoy hearing? Oh, there's always plenty of those. Uh, see if I can come up with probably it, one of the funniest for me was, um, you know, we talk about the different, you know, the, the three sports, right? You've got swim, bike, run. But when it comes down to race day, I mean, there's a fourth discipline, which is nutrition. But then there's also on race day, you have two transitions that you have to make during the race, right? And, you know, as I talk to people about about doing these races, I mean, you, you got to practice transitions, right? Um, mm-hmm. if, if you just show up and... Uh, you're going to forget something or do something. So I go through all this stuff about planning transition, all this. And so this was in my third, I think it was my third Ironman. So it was in Arizona and did the race. I changed after the swim into dry clothes for the bike. And then after the, after the bike, I changed shorts um, into another pair of tri shorts for the run um, just to be fresh and ready for the run, did the whole race, the whole thing. And after the race, I'm, I did have a little bit of chafing issue during the run and it was just aggravating. And then after the race, got all my race photos and I was going through the race photos when I got back home, looking at the photos and I looked close and I actually wore my new tri shorts backwards the entire run. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That's the chafing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. 
And then I did an Olympic swim, uh, an Olympic try one time and I had done Ironman Texas and it wasn't going to be wetsuit legal. So, um, I bought one of these swim skins or whatever they are, um, for that race. And then I did an Olympic race after and wore that for the swim. And then those transitions obviously are a lot quicker. You try to be a lot quicker in that transition. And I came out of that swim, had my bike and was running out to the mountain line. And I saw my family and my wife goes, Hey, you still have your suit on. I'm like, <laughs> like you still have it. And I looked down and I still had, I forgot to take it off. So I had oh, to no. strip it off right there. <laughs> oh, so, oh. There's always That's things awesome. that come up, but you know, um, there's probably more stories. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, you 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 uh, plan and prepare, and uh, then somewhere along the way you forget. So that's pretty sure. funny. Like it. Sure. All right. So, um, do you have a most memorable experience of all the events you've done? Of all the things you've done, is there is there one moment that stands out above the rest? Yeah, uh, there's a couple. So. Now, obviously, every every finish is memorable. I don't care if it's your fastest time or if it's your worst time. I mean, that especially in Ironman, once you once you hit that finishing shoot and you're on the carpet, it time doesn't matter, man. I mean, it's there's no other feeling like it, right? Um, I hope to have that feeling one. Yeah, month. you will. You will shortly. Um, I hope. So. I hope to. But uh, I think, you know, just finishing my first one, um, it was kind of cool back then in Arizona where when you come to the corner where you turn the corner to come down the finishing chute, they actually had a holding pin right there where um, my, I was fortunate to have my parents, you know, my family there and my parents there. My son had just turned two at the time. Mm. And so my dad was waiting in the pen with him right there. So when I got to the corner to enter the finishing chute, he handed me my son and I actually got to run down the finishing chute, carrying him and cross the finish line with him. And that's a, wow. That was pretty cool. Now Ironman doesn't allow that anymore, but, uh, that was a pretty special moment. And then when I think now your son, Zach is way too big to do that this year with actually, when I, when I finished my 12th last year at Texas, you know, they met me after the finish line and I got a picture with him trying to hold him up. He's bigger <laughs> than me now, but holding him up just like I did when I crossed the finish line before. And that was a pretty funny picture. That's awesome. It's truly yeah, for you, but a family experience all the way. Yeah, it That's has. Part of it. And um, probably the other one was, you know, I had done six Ironmans and then I'd stopped. I was kind of on a three year break. I didn't know if I was going to do another one or not. And then I had my 50th birthday coming up that year. So of course, you know, my friends, some of the guys, you know, that we train together, John McCraw and some of the guys are like, you have to do one for your fifties. I mean, we, it, there's always some justification to sign up for another one. Right. Of course. Of course. So you're like, Oh yeah, you have to do one for your 50th. So I signed up for Texas and, um, so I had a lot of friends, family come out for that. But at the time, my sister, uh, was battling breast cancer and she came out to watch the race and um you know i dedicated that race to her and uh oh i was able to hand her the medal when i finished the race oh uh, it's pretty cool 
That is. Wow. But I'm happy to say she's cancer free today and all good. And uh, but that was a, that was a special moment. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that, Rick. I know it sounds like it was a very difficult time for you. Yeah, but uh, all good. All good. Very I was good. glad that she could be there and it was it was a fun day. We're going to take a quick break. Conclude episode one. Please join us for episode two with Rick Thibodeau on training for triathlons and Ironmans. You have been listening to the Brawny Conversations podcast. Thank you for choosing to spend time with us today. And please subscribe to the podcast to receive our latest episodes and give us a follow on social media. New episodes are now in production and we can't wait to share them with you. Pursue your passions and help others along the way. Have a great day and thank you for listening.